Welcome to the first ever post-Liam Hendricks uh, sharing socks. Uh, this is going to be a, a three-legged pair of socks this time around. I'm uh, Lee Allen, the duty geezer at Southside Socks, along with my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. And we have with us a Liam Hendricks whisperer, uh, Eric Laughlin, who apparently is so loaded with information about uh, Liam Hendricks that the rest of us can probably just leave and come back in half an hour and then sign off. Um, but Will, in case you need to get a word in edgewise before Eric gets started. Yeah, well, first, uh, just want to say I'm, I'm going to save all opinions about Liam Hendricks till after we've uh, talked to Eric a little bit. But I will say that I'm going to propose that we get rid of Liam Hendricks immediately and go for you know, number 45 has been a hot topic today as he was impeached for a second time. And we're talking about closers. Well, I want to bring back the greatest number 45 ever to play the game. <laughs> see him behind me, Bobby Jenks. That dude, he is probably at home in his backyard throwing 110 straight into like a little mountain of beer cans and uh, say 110 beer cans and he was throwing <laughs> i thought you were going to say kilometers an hour so you know we're <laughs> both thinking in other units <laughs> uh, so my my proposal is to uh you know sort of sort of ghost on hendrix and and go with jenks uh, i know it's not going to be a popular opinion but much like a lot of our Congress uh, people, I'm not playing politics. I'm 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 putting I'm putting team above party, and Jenks is the answer. Well, certainly um, a, a reasonable move. Strong arguments. Strong arguments. All right, Eric. All right, fine. Tell us about this deal. Okay, so uh, I want to go back to the day he was signed because the day that Hendricks got signed, and I saw three years, uh, fifty-four million. I actually texted Will. And I said, I don't like this deal. And we were talking about, you know, part of the reason why that was. And one of the reasons I said, well, is I feel like it's an overpay for a closer. Um, and I feel like it is uh, money that's spent in one place that could be better spread around, right? If you're going to spend $18 million a year AAV on a relief pitcher, my thought was that you could get two guys to do the same job as one for about that same amount of money. And the first thing that I came upon when I when I started pulling the numbers was that's actually not necessarily the case. Hendricks compared to other closing leagues. So I pulled up the top five guys uh, who've been paid relief pitchers money wise. Right. So they're Kenley Jansen. Ian Kennedy made the list because he was converted to a relief pitcher. Uh, then you have Mark Melanson. Then you have Hendricks. Then you have Araldis Chapman. Then you have Craig Kimbrell. And then you have Will Smith. And I pulled all of their numbers. I pulled their ERAs, their FIPs, their ERA plus. I did their strikeouts per nine, their walks per nine. Then I got their strikeout minus walk ratio. I pulled their whips and I pulled their saves. Uh, just in case, right? Because we all know closers get paid for saves, whether they should or shouldn't necessarily have that conversation later. But the interesting thing that I found was numbers wise. So we can start with ERA plus, right? Which is he, his ERA compared to the league. And I did it over the last three years. So from 2017 to 2019 of those guys that I named Hendricks's ERA plus actually is uh, a third it's behind. He's, he's only one lower than Kenley Jansen uh, who Kenley Jansen has a 149 ERA plus Hendricks sitting at 148. 
Uh, and then he's everybody's really below Chapman. Excuse me, fourth. Kimbrell actually does have a better ERA plus over three years. Obviously, was amazing with Boston. Not so Let me just, quick, uh, quick, quickly get in. Sure. Just because you mentioned, and I, and I know you're probably going to say it, change the numbers around in a bit, but so that we have it fairly continuous with when you said it, the 54 is four years. So uh, we're not looking um, at So of, here's the funny the thing about the 54. Yes, oh, it's three, <laughs> it's three or four years. It's three or four, but the option and the buyout are the same amount of money. So he's guaranteed $54 million. The difference is that if he if he takes the buyout, he gets bought out over 10 years. So this is one right. of those sneaky things that agents do with contracts where the AAV of the contract is the highest ever given to a reliever at $18 million. But the reality of it is, is that if he gets paid the buyout, he's going to get the last $15 million over of the deal over the next 10 years. Okay. So if you just for inflation, the actual value of the deal is – you could make a case that it's less than 54 million. They did the same thing with Scherzer. They did the same. I said he got Bonilla because they did the same thing with Bobby Bonilla for the Mets. Well, Bobby Bonilla is going to be paid till forever. Yeah. But if, if they keep him, it becomes, it comes down to, I think it's 13, 13, 13, 15, Uh, something along those lines. Uh, so you got to figure if they keep him, he's, you know, he's pitching worth $15 million, which judging by his numbers, right. And how much he got paid. I think you could make the case that it at the very least was not an overpay. They went to get a top closer. Yes. They paid top closer money. Top closers are more expensive than they used to be. So I don't necessarily think they got a deal on the guy, but he's been one of the best arms relief pitcher wise over the last three years. But what do you think about, you know, he's going to turn 32 in four weeks. Good point. The other closers who also got paid this money also got paid around their age 30, 31. So Melanson uh, is uh, Kenley Jensen, I think is the youngest of them. Kimbrell also got paid just before his 31st. Will Smith got paid just before his 30th. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to argue with you here just, just for a moment. The two names that I've heard people cringe about the most on their own teams coming in late in the game. This last World Series, the question was always, are the Dodgers going to be brave enough to let Kenley Jansen pitch? And then (laughs) before that, it was, are the Cubs going to be brave enough to let Craig Kimbrell go out there and pitch? You know, these aren't guys who necessarily have uh, knocked it out of the park uh with their with the most recent time of their deal so you're talking about potentially Hendricks you know he could be good for two years and then you're going to eat 30 million dollars well so a the argument I would make is the Dodgers did end up going to Kenley Jansen when it counted and they They did did win a world series yeah no Um, they did the other name you gave me was Kimbrell I think the the Cubs did go to Kimbrell and granted he looked ugly a bunch and he's not he doesn't look like the pitcher that he was but they did go to him, and he has been effective. Well, I think he still hasn't gotten that first arm fixed. Let me, well, let's let's just, I got to jump in here to say that Craig Kimbrell looks ugly. I think we shouldn't <laughs> be getting into that. We should be talking about baseball. So to be fair, I told my wife. I told my wife about Liam Hendricks, and I was like, "He's the only Australian playing in the game," and she was like. Oh, he he's probably a hottie. And I was like, you know what? I think he might be a major beefcake. And then I uh, Googled him, and that is not the case. He's beefcake-esque. He's beefcake-esque. He's, he's on the beefcake. beefcake. He's beefcake in theory, but yeah. not in yeah. reality. Yeah. 
He's 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 definitely lower than Colome and Cordero on the beefcake level. But as far as fastball velocity is concerned, I mean, he's right up there. Speaking he's, of he's speaking of Colome, yeah. Um, how do you feel about Hendricks versus keeping Colome? Because there would have been a pretty crazy yeah. price difference there, I think. So I think that's the interesting thing that we don't know, right? Is how, a how much is Colome asking for? Uh, B, I do think that the White Sox ultimately will end up bringing Colome back. One of the other things that I liked about the deal is, you know, I think these are the kinds of things that when you're going for a championship, these are the kinds of moves that championship teams make. The Yankees had a very devastating, had a dangerous bullpen. The Astros had a dangerous bullpen. The Dodgers had a dangerous bullpen. I mean, these are the kinds of things that make, when you look at championship teams, what they're made of nowadays, they have top line back end stuff. The Tampa Bay made a whole season on having relievers who could all come out and throw one or Can, two in. Kansas, Kansas City won, won a World Series. Kansas City won without an ace for the first time in however many years. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't let Johnny Cueto hear that. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Jordano Ventura rest in peace. But, you know, either way. No, no. Against I'm, the I'm going to disagree with you on, on Colomay coming back. He's not coming back. Uh, I didn't think so. And, the, and I think the per year for this coming year uh, – it's not substantially different. They would have ended up paying Colome about $10 million versus sure. the year. So it's the length of the contract that really makes a difference. Colome is probably going to take one year where he goes, at most two, yeah. uh, where he ends up being. No, but I mean, and that's my thing, right, is if you're if the argument is Colome at two years, right, or Hendricks at three, possibly four, I'll take Hendricks at three, possibly four, because the other thing that I think people really don't realize, and this is another thing about his numbers, he he has been one of the best pitchers in relief for the past two years. His numbers in 2019 were absolutely insane. He was a sub two FIP. He was striking out 12 plus guys per nine. His fastball, so I was looking at pitch values for a while, which I've got some information on. Uh, his fastball his fastball was like 13 runs above average as far as a pitch value is concerned. I mean, he had a 3.9 war as a relief pitcher in 2019. I mean, the, the, the guy's stuff is, it's better than you think it is. And he's one of those guys who I think, you know, because I remember when he came up with the Twins and when he was with Toronto and he couldn't really find his footing. And then all of a sudden he came out of nowhere. And I think I have the reason why for that. Um, you have the pitch changes with you? I do. So the funny thing about him, if you want to talk about his arsenal, is that the pitcher that Liam Hendricks came into the league in at 2011 is not the same pitcher who's pitching right now. In 2011, so here's his fastball usage, right? His, his splits per pitch. So 2011 with the Twins, he threw his fastball 25.8% of the time. He threw a sinker 35.4% of the time, and he threw a changeup 7% of the time, okay? So about 50% of his pitch mix was, was fastball sinker. Let's fast forward to 2019. That was the year he really broke out with the athletics. His forcing fastball usage goes from 25.8% to 67.9%. His sinker usage goes from 35.4% down to 2.9%. And his changeup usage goes from 7.4% to 0.1%. So instead of being a sinker fastball changeup pitcher, he completely abandons the changeup and he goes straight to fastball slider. 
<clears throat> he also, in that same time, his average velocity on the fastball 2011 was 90.9 miles an hour. His average fastball velocity 2019 was 96.8 miles an hour. That uh, same, is, that's huge. That's, seven <laughs> that's ticks. going the right direction. Seven ticks, right? He also. Um, but then, then by the fourth year of this contract, it should be at 102.5. Yeah, right by that. <laughs> He'll be throwing 130. Anything less is unacceptable, really. And, you know, you got to figure, right, he's going to lose some ticks on that fastball third or fourth year. You would expect that to be the case around 33, 34. But the good news that I think is you you have a guy who came into the league who was mixing a fastball and a sinker, who is getting more ground balls, who is more of a pitch-to-contact person. I also have his ozone swing rates and his ozone contact rates. So the amount of times that batters were swinging at pitches out of the zone and making contact has dropped 20% since he was in 2011 to now. So in abandoning that sinker and that fastball, which I think was allowing hitters to settle in and bringing just the fastball and the slider has made him more effective at, you know, I've watched the guy pitch, right? You know, the fastball is coming. He's almost like Chapman in the way where, you know, the fastball is coming. You know it's coming, and you still can't hit it because it's too fast, and you still have to watch for the slider that breaks off the plate. And if you're, well, it's not, it's not just too fast, but it moves. Yeah, yeah. And it moves. Yeah, exactly. It's got some giddy up. So you know, I think that obviously, if he loses some ticks on that fastball, that'll decrease some of his value. But man, I mean, it's like this is a three-year deal. Would you, if you have Colomay for two, who knows if Colomay is going to be good next year? I mean, relievers have volatility, right? That's what we get when we get shaky about those free agent deals for closers is one year they're good. The next year they're absolutely trash. But the thing I like about this guy is you're, you're talking about somebody who's a predominantly fastball pitcher, right? He does throw that slider, but he's predominantly a four seam fastball pitcher. I feel like those guys have better lengths on their arm because they're not cracking off sliders all the time. Um, and, and, you know, even if he goes down a couple of ticks in velocity or, you know, you go from 98 to 95, 94, that's still, still a lot better than average. Yeah, yeah. It's still a lot better than 90, 91. I mean, you're not talking about someone who's risking going from 95 to 90, right? It's someone who's going from 98, 99 down to 96, 95. So, so well, he's you know, not throwing ninety nine. We can't let him. We can't credit him with I've throwing ninety nine. I've seen him crack ninety nine. I've watched. I mean, I've seen the guy he's, pitch. He's he's <laughs> actually he's sort of our crafty righty after the the Hoyer and and uh, crowd get through throwing their and and, and uh, uh, the rest the rest of our ninety nine mile an hour guys get down. You know, bring him bring him down and we get the slow stuff throw. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I certainly don't think this is a bad signing by any means. I mean, Hendricks has proven himself the last couple of years. And, you know, the, our, our bullpen <laughs> is going to be fierce. going to be good. I oh, okay. mean, it is going to be really, really be hard to win games late. And for a team that has a, a potent offense that I expect, you know, Yon Mankata said that he is he's feeling himself again. Um, you're, you're talking about a lot of games that we're going to take leads into those last couple innings. And now, I mean, I don't want to face crochet bummer and Hendricks three innings. In I don't a row know the crochet will be there uh, at least for much of the year. I, I think they're going to try to stretch him out in the minors because they, they want him to be a starter. Uh, eventually. Yeah, true. Um, uh, some, something that I looked at, I, I looked at the projections and these are the baseball reference. I'm not sure which of the sets they use for this. Um, but how they project the other relievers for 2021. 
Uh, and these are all guys who had ERAs of two or below, right around two or below this past season. They don't like them. <laughs> they're not saying they're going to be bad coming up, but Hoyer, for example, uh, projection is a 3.79, a 1.211 whip to go four and three. Uh, Foster, a, a 3.90, go six and three. Again, a whip of 1.2 or so. Marshall, uh, four and three with a 3.84 ERA. Crochet with a 4.09 ERA. So they don't expect that kind of production out of those guys. I don't know why. I will say that you can't have a schedule even though our division is absolute trash, you can't have a schedule that easy again where <laughs> you don't ever have to play the, the American League East and West. So that could have an influence on what pitchers' numbers. But those numbers should be at. a lot lower. I mean, the Cleveland-Washington football team, baseball team, has gotten rid of everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they, they have one, one hitter. Yeah. Uh, oh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, it's, the projections are interesting to me, but uh, I – you know, projections are projections. They are what they are. But um, apparently there's not the faith outside of the White Sox that we have in that collection of relievers. Now, Bummer is still Bummer. I mean, I was going to say, what do they have Bummer there for? I, You know, for some reason, I didn't write that one down. But Bummer, Bummer, I think, was right along as usual. I don't understand those numbers. I mean, I actually I think Foster and Hoyer are, are going to come out banging. So it depends if they're using a projection system called Zips, which is the one that Fangraphs uses. I believe that what Zips does is Zips factors in a couple of different things, which include your previous uh, year's numbers and your age relative to the league. So so one of the things, and again, I have to double check because I, I don't know whether Baseball Reference uses Zips or not, but one of the things that I know certainly could hurt Marshall uh, is going to be his he, – he's been in the league for about uh, – I think it was Marshall or maybe it was Foster. It's one of those two guys. I think it's Marshall. He's bounced around the league for a little bit. He's been around an eight-year veteran. He's got some other oh, MLB. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. got little bits of numbers here and there. I think the other thing about Zips that's tough with relievers to project is, you know, listen, if you pitch 60 innings, right, and you've got a bad six-inning stretch, your ERA is going to balloon. So ERA, I think, is a really tough one to to gauge relief pitchers by because that might not tell the whole story of your whole season. Like I remember, uh, again, Mets fan, sorry, but Edwin Diaz, when he was going through his his absolute teardown with the Mets, if you really looked at his numbers, I mean, the guy was still striking out 30% of the hitters he was facing. He was still throwing 99 miles an hour. His pitches still had movement. The big problem was he gave up seven more home runs than he did last year. Those That's, seven more runs happened to I mean, come I'm in. I'm glad a- you mentioned that with the strikeouts. In all of these cases, they're predicting the guys to have more than one strikeout in inning. Huh? And, so they, and so they those are the numbers. To still be there. The, the swings and misses to still be there, but the contact apparently to be uh, more efficient on the, on the part of opposing uh, offenses. I want to get into the business side of this and what else is going on, but maybe we should take our break first. Well, yeah, let's take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll uh, yield the floor to the geezer. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back. Um, Eric has gotten to state his uh, very strong case, I'd say, actually, for the Liam Hendricks deal. Well done. Thank you. Uh, Dad, you uh, you wanted to talk about the business side of it. Yeah, but, but one thing I'm curious, I'd love to find out if the reason uh, Jerry Reinsdorf opened his wallet uh, for this much money for a closer was because his great good buddy Tony is the closer guy, and uh, he convinced him uh, to do it. But when we looked at that, when I first looked at it, boy, they're going to they're going to pay. We're calling it an average thirteen and a half million uh, for a closer, and they're, they're going to pay uh, Lynn is nine point three million, and uh, they then talking them uh, Eaton uh, seven million. Boy, they're going to go in out and spend it. Fact is, the payroll right now is less than it was going into last year. Now, of course. Last year ended up being prorated, but what it would have been had there been an entire season, because saving ten and a half million on Colomay, twelve million on Encarnacion, nine million on Kelvin Herrera. Do we remember him? Uh, five five point six on Mazzara, five point four on McCann. So really, this is projecting out right now as a one hundred nineteen million dollar payroll. That one thirty that they were going to be for twenty twenty was 18th in Major League Baseball. We're in the wow. third largest city in the United States. It, but that's where we sat. Eight, even being 18th is a big deal. But they keep saying the money will be spent. The money will be spent. The money will be spent. But will it? Now, what you're missing on this 119 projection right now, you've got, uh, they've done most of uh, the arbitrations. They've, they've solved by, by settling. There are two left. One is Reynaldo Lopez, and if they offer him more than a the ham sandwich and maybe a side of fries, uh, you know, they take it. The other one, though, is Lucas Giolito. And this is penciled in the guys who do these projections for pay at, at coming in at 3.9 million. That's insane. That is insane that they would get away in arbitration with only paying Giolito 3.9 million. There's no way. There's no way. Drew Smiley's getting $11 million, and the Sox are paying their own starters. They're Keichel at 18. Uh, I said Lynn, uh, 9.3. And, and now a reliever, 13 and a half on, a, on an average if we take it over the four years. Now, Giolito is represented by creative artists, which in your line of work is the very top of the heap you can possibly be, I guess. In baseball, not so much. I looked it up. I looked at a whole list of these. Obviously, the big one is, is Boros. But uh, Creative Artist has a lot of baseball players. They don't have a lot of stars. They have Buster Posey, which is a, a huge star. But after that, Giolito's one of the best ones they've got. So I would think they're going to get him pushing for whatever they can push out there. And, of course, there's talk of will they go for a long-term contract, uh, which Bond is pretty good at getting team-friendly long-term contracts. Um, but I, where do you guys think? Where, where do you where do you see a Giolito arbitration ending up as? And of course, arbitration 
two sides put in their money, arbitrator picks one. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I first off, I actually think Giolito will sign a long-term deal. Um, he he loves it in Chicago, and he has become the face of this team in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot of faces because we're a loud team now. You got Tim and and Eloy and Jose, and uh, but Giolito is has blossomed into uh, a Chicago star in a lot of ways. I mean, if you go on the, the social media and whatnot, Giolito is beloved by this city. Do I think it's going to be an incredibly team-friendly deal? I don't know because he's going to demand money and he deserves a lot of money. Uh, but I do anticipating I do anticipate him signing a longer deal uh, to stay in Chicago and and see this see this rebuild out through the end of a, a World Series, hopefully too. Okay, I'll I'll play devil's advocate. So if I'm the White Sox, I take him to arbitration and I make the case against him. Uh, I think he's a great, talented pitcher. I'd love to see him on a long-term deal. What's your offer? I would love. Uh, I, I, if I was Chicago, well, what did they say? Did did they give the numbers that they filed for? No, they they haven't. Three point. No, there's uh, just 3. a guess 5? at three point nine is where it would end up. I don't know whether that was his. Um, number. I mean, somewhere in the th- I would probably file somewhere in the three to seven ballpark and try to see if I can't get him under nine or ten million. My argument as the White Sox would be, yes, he had a very good year last year, but he had a very good stretch of starts. He wasn't amazing necessarily. You know, it was a shortened season, so we don't really know how he handles over the long term. The year before that was a plague year for him where, you know, he he was not a star pitcher. So, you know, we haven't necessarily seen – 2019, he was a star pitcher. 2018 is when he was bad. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. So, so you know, I think that the track record for the guy isn't isn't again. And I'm playing devil's advocate. I love Lucas Giolito, and I would love to see him sign a long term. <laughs> um, but if I'm the White Sox, I try to take him to arbitration, and the reason is because I think with you know with pitchers especially, right? You just it's tough to sign that long term extension, that long term contract. I mean, I remember when John Dank signed his deal, which was the largest deal that Chicago handed out for a relief for a starting pitcher at the time. And that looked like a lock solid, amazing contract, cheap guy making good money. And, and he turned out to, you know, he uh, he pitched very he pitched decently. But I think that in the long run, he didn't end up pitching quite to what they thought they would get out of that extension. So I, I, I'm a little bit wary of extending younger pitchers if I don't absolutely have to. I, I don't know how long it is till uh, Giolito hits free agency, if this is his first go-through of arbitration this or, is his, first year. or his second. But if it's his first year, I let him go through arbitration once. I see how he pitches the year, and I come back to him about a long-term deal next spring. That, that would probably be, you know, if I'm, if I'm a GM, that's probably how I would go. I'd that makes let it sense. Send, yeah. Because you got to figure right if he's good another year, now you're really going to have to pay him out in arbitration, especially if he places in the Cy Young voting again. And now I can come to him with an extension and say, all right, well, you're going to get, you know, 10, 12, 10 to 15 million probably in arbitration. So, so let's talk extension. That's like 15 million and gets up to 20 and 25 and 25. And then I could see like a four to five year, $120 million contract extension instead of going through his second round of arbitration. But, you know, I, I, I hate to be that guy, but I think the way baseball is managed from a money perspective, I, I take him through arbitration this year and let the process work itself out. All right. 
Playing tough with Lucas Gialli. I love you, Luke. I'm sorry. I love you, buddy. I really do. Eric, um, how come you haven't brought up before how much you hate Lucas Giolito? You know, and, and, and apparently day... you don't like his high school coach either. Yeah. You know, what are these, these jerks? Um, before, we go, before we go, let's talk about um, what we think could still be done uh, outside of the guys we already have. What what do you what do you think could could happen? Are we going to go out and get another name, or are we going to kind of uh, going to kind of sit here with what we have now? Got it. Got to get. I'm sorry, we got to get a backup catcher. And that's that's a cheapie. <laughs> it's it's a couple million bucks. It's not a big deal, but we cannot sit there with Collins as the backup catcher. Cannot. 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 Well, I'm, I'm I have bad they, news for you. <laughs> We're gonna I'm going to guess that they go for a mid-range starting pitcher. I don't have a name for it, but somebody on the level of an Odorizzi. Okay. Well, I could see, you know, I was looking at Odorizzi too, and I was looking at the free agent listings. Um, for me, I think that the most obvious choice is to bring back Colome. And part of the reason that, that, that I would be gung-ho for that is I think they have good balance throughout the lineup. I think that you are going to have some depth with starting pitching. It never hurts to have more starting pitching. So I could see another mid-range guy like an Odorizzi or someone, you know, to pick up a number five slot. But if Giolito is great, you've got Giolito, you've got Keuchel, you've got Lynn. I mean, you've, you have the starting three of your rotation. And, and Dylan oh, Cease. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Michael Kopech, but if it's Kopech if too as well. But see, you've got depth there, <laughs> right? You like there, to bring right? something out of the cellar, that's all right. You've got you've got some depth. But Colome for me is the key because he gives you he gives you that if if Bummer is great and Hendricks is great, you have that same three legged monster that other amazing bullpens have where it's not just a question of who's going to pitch the ninth, right? It's who's going to pitch my high leverage situations. And I've got three different guys to go to. What's your pick, Will? What are you going for? I mean, I love the idea of bringing back Colome. Um, You know, the bullpen is already looking real tough. And if they were able to bring him back at a reasonable price. Now, the last thing I want to do is go spend a lot on Colome because we just dropped it on Hendricks. If we're going to spend I, I don't think the reasonable price is available. Yeah. And it, you know, I, I'm not even sure. Obviously, we need a we need a backup catcher. Um, in my dream world, we'd go after like a DJ Lemayhew, but I know that that's never going to happen price wise either because Lemayhew is going to make bank and whatever deal he gets. Uh, and then it seems like the right field situation, they've already landed on Adam Eaton and it's going to be Adam Eaton. Uh, I don't want to go out and drop tons of money on George Springer. Um, I don't even know about, I, I wouldn't even necessarily drop a ton on Ozuna. Um, what about a, a half a ton or quarter ton on Rosario to play left so that Eloy becomes the DH? Eddie Rosario? Where should be? Hmm? Yeah. Eddie I Rosario? Mean, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think it's, uh, it's interesting. Again, you know, you've got this issue of Eloy doesn't want to be the DH. I think he'll grow out of that very quickly once he discovers that uh, the other guys they put out there can catch the ball. And uh, once he realizes that he can just sit around and crush dingers all day. 
Um, Rosario is an interesting choice for sure to play left. We we definitely need help out there. Is Rosario left-handed or right-handed? I think he's. Oh, he is lefty, right? Yeah, he is he's lefty. lefty. He's lefty. Yeah, then I I like that a lot actually. Yeah, uh, I like the case for a lot of depth. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're running out of time, so I, I want to go off the field and into the stands. Presuming we have fans in the stands, and at some point we have concessions. We already know we have weaknesses in the Cuban concessions. We need better Cuban sandwiches. We need arroz con pollo. We need roba vieja. Got to do this for our Cubans. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh We've yeah. We've now got an Australian. Now Australian food. We talk about, oh, throw another shrimp on the barbie, but that's not really what they do. They eat Vegemite. Vegemite is what we call an acquired taste. It's something <laughs> about burned yeast and vegetable residues and smeared onto a piece of toast. It's awful. So the only way to balance that is Australian and American heritage back, bearing in mind, we need to go for scones and finger sandwiches. Because our new manager likes the tea party. <laughs> How long you been sitting on that oh, one? For that was a, been working on it. <laughs> that was a wide ride. That I was... did all this for Liam Hendricks, and you're bringing in the tea party. <laughs> I was I was trying to beat you to it, and I just Ugh. could not figure yeah. out where that was going. Don't even uh, need. I love the idea of a sensible cucumber finger sandwich at a baseball game. Uh, the only issue is I don't want to spend seventeen fifty on it, which is uh, probably what it would cost to have a fresh vegetable at a guaranteed rate field. Uh, it's, it's not looking good anyway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where else are you going to get traditional Australian food in the South Side? <laughs> that's that's, the, that's real. a really good point. I mean, are they going to start? pay you to eat the Vegemite. Are they going to keep? Uh, are they going to keep Foster's on tap? Is that what we're going to do to, <laughs> that's, to that would William be, Hendricks? Yeah. I think we could see that. My my hope, honestly, is just that we get to sit in that ballpark and eat anything next year. Yeah, I, was I, say, I would I'll, eat I'll a bag of dirt. In October. I'll tell you that right now. I'll eat anything. I, in I think by midsummer. <laughs> that's my my prediction is midsummer, not not at the beginning. And I still think if it's any earlier, it will be upon showing the evidence that you have been vaccinated. Well. Yeah, quite possible, wait. you know. I, I I think they could open to very limited fans before that. Um, which for me, I actually prefer watching sports that have no fans to the like the SEC football games that have ten thousand people there, and it just seems like no one wanted to go. Um, whereas when it's empty, you're like, oh, pandemic. But watching Alabama and Ohio State and seeing the twelve people out there cheering, not with other people. And, well, until you get to the streets of Tuscaloosa, I was just Tuscaloosa say, for the super spreader event. Go to the bar, uh, but the and... game itself was very underwhelming to watch. Um, I, I hope I hope Midsummer's right. I, you know, as soon as it's safe to do so, I will be there. I will fly to Chicago. I would love to see the uh, the White Sox, you know, maul these dreadful AL Central teams uh, and the NL Central. You know. Um, but we'll see what happens. I know Margarita Man's, he's got to be going Gone. broke without no, you, I Eric. Haven't, I haven't.
haven't seen him there in years. I swear to you, I watch for him every time I go to the White Sox field because I told him to remember my face in 2014, and he didn't. And I have not <laughs> seen the Margarita Man in two years. I don't know what's going on. I think they cut it. I can't he probably it. he probably settled a harassment lawsuit uh, with the White Sox and retired because I was like... sending his kids to college. <laughs> <laughs> Well, whatever it was, the cons outweighed the pros, man. So I don't Certainly. know what your demeanor was with the margarita, man, but Aggressive. you're right. The Aggressive. last, the last like two or three times we've gone to games, he has blatantly avoided you. I've sp- I've been looking. I've literally been paying more attention to the stands looking for the margarita man than the game, and he was not there. I miss you, margarita man. Come How back. can you enjoy a game without a tall glass of sugar ice? I don't know. <laughs> Um, all right, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Eric, for doing your homework for the first time, I would assume, in your I know, life, right? which is really right. cool. Finally. Um, any final thoughts from the geezer? Nah. All right, the Oracle at Delphi has said nah. Uh, and we will uh, we will see what happens uh, in this upcoming week, but we're not that far off from spring training. It's going really uh, to be an exciting year. So uh, thanks again, Eric, and we will see you guys next time.